Welcome to another episode of the Dentology Podcast, where we discuss the business of dentistry. In this podcast series, we'll be discussing all the non-clinical aspects of dentistry, from goodwill values, finance, marketing, how to buy and sell a dental practice, mindset, through to where you can invest your money in team management issues. My name is Andy Acton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Trevens. Let's jump straight into it. Today is a wonderful, positive, enjoyable guy to spend time with, isn't he? He's a great guy. He's great. Really good story as well. You know, that that coming from Nigeria and, yeah. and that formulates and informs where he got to and how he delivered what he does. I think Absolutely. And I was really, really taken aback by the the reasoning behind why he set his squat practice up. Yes. Yeah. Really yeah. It's, it's I, I think all of this fascinating about the fact of the people behind mm. what we see and how they get to where they are. And and everyone's really modest about it. You know, again, there's another one. Oh, well, you're a bit lucky. Da, 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 yeah. Da, da. <laughs> I, no, it's not lucky. It's hard work. But he's doing so much. I mean, smile fast. He's going so well. Yeah. And this, this live event that he's arranging as well. In, oh, the live event. I, I must have meant the smile fast. I, when I was listening to it, I thought, simple, mm. but obviously well received. You know what? He's 4,000 dentists yeah. already. So, I mean, flip, someone must be looking yeah. at wants to look at that. Absolutely. And the, the, the live again, getting people together in a room, we've all had enough of Zoom. Absolutely. And what's nice is this episode is going to appear before the event. Yeah. So people can click on the link, get the um, get the link they need and get themselves booked yeah. in. Enjoy themselves. No, really, really enjoyable. Good really stuff. Good so welcome to our latest episode of Dentology. And today we are joined by Midi Ojo. And Midi is the principal of Refresh Dental in Twickenham, co-founder of SmileFast, a revolutionary smile design service, founder of the Startup Dental Practice Owners Group on Facebook, and much more besides. Welcome, Midi. How are you doing? Hi. Good morning, guys. Thank you for having me. Hi, Midi. Hi, Andy, Chris. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, we've got a lot to get through, uh, starting a squat, the startup live event in June that we'll have a chat about, how SmileFast came about. But first, let's kind of get back to the beginning and set the scene. What was your upbringing like and, and what was your pathway into dentistry? Yes, so um, my my mum and dad um, are first generation Nigerian immigrants. So we were born, I was born in Nigeria and I moved over with my parents. My dad's a doctor um, He's in he works in obstetrics and gynecology. And like many people from West Africa, um, the UK is often seen as the pinnacle of education. So he came to do um, just a part-time job. And then from there, he got offered a full-time job and decided to relocate the family. So that was in 1988, and I was six. And I moved over to England with, um, yeah, with uh, lots of sort of preconceived notions about the UK. Um, things like I'd never seen snow before. So I, <laughs> I found snow to be like cotton wool. So my dad said, yeah, yeah, you know, when you see snow, it's amazing. So the first time I saw snow, I ran and I jumped straight into it, not realizing it was cold. So that was <laughs> a, a shock to the system. And I actually moved, um, um, the first place that we, we, we based ourselves was in Huddersfield in, in, in Yorkshire. So you can imagine a six-year-old um, Nigerian boy with a very strong African accent trying mm, to understand mm. The Yorkshire accent. It was a very interesting uh, uh, experiment, but um, yeah. So that was my first sort of uh, um, foray into the UK. And so when you when you came, um, were you were you excited? Were you nervous? Was it was it? I mean, I know you're only six years old, so so kind of everything's exciting when you're six. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I do remember it quite well. I mean, we had a great lifestyle in Nigeria. You know, at the time, Nigeria, the economy was pretty good. I think the pound and the, the naira at the time, you know, were very similar, maybe one to one. So, you know, lifestyle wise, things were good. We had everything that we needed. But I think my dad just saw that things were going south and, you know, there was an opportunity. Mm. I think now the naira to the pound, it's one one pound to, I think, 750 to 800 naira. So you can see how things wow. have changed um, over time. Um, That's a massive erosion, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, massive erosion. But Nigeria is a country of um, extreme um, disparity. You've got some people who are exceedingly wealthy and then you've got people that are mm. exceedingly poor. There is a middle ground, but it's not quite the same as in the UK. So it's a very different um, uh, dynamic. Mm. But when I came over to the UK, I mean, again, yes, I was only six, but I was I mean, coming to live with my dad, because my dad had been away for about six months, that was exciting. And again, it was just, um, I, I felt a sense of, you know, like I wanted to support my mom and my, and my, I've got two younger sisters. So I felt like I was the man of the house when I was um, being sort of tasked with uh, the move across. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have to say my upbringing was brilliant. Um, I'm, I must admit, when we came to the UK, um, a lot of people might not um, sort of appreciate this, but despite the fact that my, my mom was a pharmacist and my dad was a doctor, that there were some challenges, you know, I, I will be honest to say that, you know, both um, racially and also in terms of opportunities initially. So my mum, mm. despite her qualifications, couldn't get um, a training post. So she ended up, wow. you know, being um, the cleaner on the on the pharmacy department, which for her was a massive, you know, drop down from where she was in Nigeria. So we had challenges. Mm. Um, initially, we didn't have much money. So and things like, you know, we'd go to the secondhand shop and, you know, everything we had were hand-me-downs and we, we were members of a local church. And, you know I, know, I remember the church coming to our house to help us paint and decorate when we got mm. our first house. And my dad always reminds me at the time, I think the interest rates in the UK in the late 80s were like in the double figures. So yeah, it was 14, 15 percent yeah. for a period. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he remembers obviously like mortgage payments at that time when he first we got our first house being cripplingly high. So, you know. I'm not sitting here sort of um, complaining. I'm just saying that was the situation we were in. Yeah. And um, But as a kid, you know, we were so grateful. You know, we had a three-bedroom mm. house. I remember my bedroom was a little box room and I had one of those cabin beds. So the bed would be up and then your wardrobe would be below. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 mm. yeah. And literally that was all there was in the room. But, you know, I didn't need for much. I was, I yeah. was, I was super happy. So, yeah, so it sounded pretty much like it was quite quite challenging uh, but equally yeah your parents taking that bold step of, of moving from their their great life in Nigeria and settling the family in Huddersfield um, was real foresight on their part and a real commitment to their kids as well yeah I mm. think yeah I mean I'm sure that education was one of the big things in particular but just the predictability of the system and uh, yeah and I think it's the opportunities mm. and I'm and I'm you know forever grateful I'm sure we've all watched that film Sliding Doors and you I literally Oh, yeah. <laughs> life would have been like if I'd stayed you know would I have been a dentist would I have done something completely different opportunities mm. I mean there are you know chances that I would have you know had great opportunities as well but a lot and what made you choose yeah dentistry? So dentistry. you know you got a GP and a pharmacist and you went oh I'll tell you what I'll yeah. do a third option I mean, <laughs> dentistry was a bit of a funny one so as a student I'd probably describe myself as um not the most committed student I think that's fair to say I'd always do <laughs> Are you being polite, uh, yeah, mate? My mum and, and dad were here, they'd agree. Um, I always did just <laughs> enough to get by and um, to be a bloke. Yeah. My main passion was playing football. I mean, that's all I, I, I ever wanted to do. And that's all I did up until I think I was 16. And then when I was 16, um, my dad sort of read the riot act and said, look, 
you know, you can't just put all your eggs in one basket. Um, you've got to think outside the box. So I, um, sorry, my wife is just crawling on the floor, trying to not be in the picture. <laughs> That's all right. No, no. When, 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 when you said you, when you said as a footballer, you need to think outside the box. I assume you slipped back to midfield. I thought that's where that was going. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think I was sixteen when um, I had to start thinking about options. And my mum and dad being medical, I was always quite good at science. And as I said, I was, I was never the top student, but I definitely wasn't the worst. I was always sort of just above middle, and um, I was always quite good at science. And I literally just looked at a book. And they give you these careers advice books, and basically they give you a book with salaries and prices. So I was just scrolling through and looked at doctor and then I saw one dentist, oh, the income there. I think they gave an average of like 50 to 60 grand at the time. Well, at the time as a 16 year old, that sounds all right. Then my dad put me on um, work experience and he said, I'll oh, come to my hospital. And he said, oh, you can hang out with one of my mates. I thought, oh, this would be cool. And they stuck me on the geriatrics ward. And it was the single Ooh. worst thing that could have happened because I was like, no way, this is just awful. And um, at the end of the corridor, there was a South African dental oral surgeon and he was there taking out wisdom teeth. But the thing about it was he started at nine and left at four o'clock. So I just had a little moment there thinking, hang on a minute, this guy comes in, does a similar kind of work and goes home, no on call, I'm having that. So that was literally the start into dentistry. And then oh, I did okay. more work experience. And then, you know, as I said, I wasn't the most studious at school. And all I wanted to do was play football. And I actually got um, um, a, um, a scholarship to play football at 18. But the decision was football or dentistry. And I realized that playing for Lincoln City at the time where I was living probably wasn't going to make me, I probably wasn't going to be a premiership football player. So I think I made the right decision there. Mm. <laughs> so, mm. so yeah, so you then went through dental school. Uh, which, which school um, did you go to? Dental school, I went to Newcastle, the University of Newcastle upon Tyne, so Geordie Land and... Uh, yeah, right, just something yeah. about. So you really have moved around the country, haven't you? Sort of landing yeah. in Huddersfield, off yeah. to Lincoln, qualified in Newcastle, and now down in in sunny. Yeah, sunny I mean Trickham. it's crazy, really. And yeah, I mean I've had great experiences along the way. Um, yeah, um, actually I was on a course um, at the weekend, and I I was in I went to school in Huddersfield, and then I went to school in in Wakefield, and randomly I was only there for a year, but on the course I was teaching, I met two people that were in my year at, at school. Um, over many years oh, ago, that was that was pretty random experience. Yeah, wow, that is random. Very random. Yeah, so you then obviously were you qualified? You 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 were an associate for a period of time, and then you got this this itch to to start your own. Dental yeah, practice. so actually it was a little bit convoluted. So um, qualified in Newcastle, then I moved down to do a house job, so a max fax job. I lived at home with mum and dad for a year, just sort of you know figuring out the meaning of life and what I wanted to do and also like decide if I'm mm. if I'm going to get married and stuff like that. So I did that for a year. Then I moved down south and um, moving down south was just a massive eye-opener. So I got um, an associate job in in, in Staines in Middlesex. And at the time, right, it yeah. was a fully NHS um, practice. But that's when I first heard about sort of private treatments and, and money because everything was, you know, 40, you know, 18 pounds, 40 pounds mm. and then... Well, at the time, I think it was 150 pounds for the banding. And that's all I was used to. Then I had to mm -hmm. learn about talking about private treatment because actually in the South, it's amazing the difference from the North to the South in terms of at the time, there weren't many private practices in the North. So this practice I was in, although yeah. it was NHS, it was about 50-50, the patients would choose private treatment. So that's when I learned what my skill set was, which was building rapport with patients. 
And I realized that if mm. you build rapport with your patients after about six months or a year, they start asking you, what is it that I can do about my teeth? It's a very powerful mm. thing because actually you have to know what the options are. And that's when I learned about private practice. And as I said, from within about two or three years, I went from fully NHS to fully private because I had to learn mm. the skills to do the dentistry. But because I had such a good rapport with my patients, the uptake was high. And even to this day, you know, my, my uptake of treatment is quite high. And I'd like to think it's because I just mm. tell people genuinely what I think is best for them. Mm. But I think you're right. I think rapport and, and likability get you an awful long way. I think people then start to, to trust you. And then when you make recommendations, whatever those might be, and they're much more likely to be taken yeah. up. Yeah, that's that's mm. that's, and I and I enjoy building relationships. I'm I'm sure that not. And again, you know, there are different personality types. Some people don't like the fluffy stuff, so I I do tailor my style depending on who I'm talking to. So you know, I try to sort of like mirror people, and you know, I've got, I've learned some things along the way. I've I've gone quite a few excellent mm. courses from the likes of Ashley Latter and and one of my good friends, Jasmine Piran. She taught me a lot about NLP. <coughs> I say it's sales yeah, skills. Yeah, and I think it sales, but then I, funny enough, I just call it life skills because I think if, like Andy said, if you're likable and if you kind of, if somebody, if something resonates with you in somebody else, you you naturally just gravitate towards that person. Mm. And being authentic, I think that people, people can yeah. sniff a liar, can't they? Yeah. Or, or, you know, a bit of bullshit. <laughs> They're like, that doesn't ring true. That doesn't ring true. And I think if you've got that rat rapport, then that's that's what it is. Yes, yeah. it's, it's that being able to have a conversation that they feel they can also be part of mm. as opposed to being railroaded. That's no, so true. Because actually when I first started doing that, because you had this spiel in your head, you'd start like trying to make everybody fit into a box and it, you're absolutely right, it didn't work. It was a, a disaster. So you just have to be real. And um, yeah. Mm. You have to ask more questions. We, we mm. well, A lot of the sales courses that obviously in the banks we did was all about, you know, you've got two ears and one mouth. So listen more to what people tell you and then ask those questions because then you will start to find out who those yes, people are. True. Um, yeah. And it is, it's true. Otherwise you just, what was that phrase? A premature recommendation, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. It always used to make me laugh was, you know, <laughs> even though you know yeah. what they want, they have to come to the conclusion that that's what mm. they want rather than actually telling them because the answer is if you tell them too early, they won't believe you because they'll think you haven't that's asked so enough. <laughs> and also just being genuine, genuinely interested. I think if you're genuinely interested yeah, in people and their life <laughs> and what they're trying to achieve, everything else kind of just sort yeah. of falls into place, doesn't it? Mm. If you're, if, and if you're asking questions and there's genuine interest, not just trying to gather information to make yeah. a sale. You really do want to build relationships and find out yeah. about people. Um, the, the business can come later, and that Be sounds curious. very much like your your yeah, approach. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I Be couldn't curious. agree more. I think it's funny, isn't it? So both in banking and sales, and in 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 dentistry, the the process is the same, isn't it? It's not actually yeah, the end point. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Letting people realise, like you say, that, and then they're informed. There's a guy um, in America. Um, I think his name is John Coyce, and he calls it the hitman. Um, I don't know if you've heard this expression. In dentistry, when a filling goes wrong, the patient comes in and says, hey, doc, your filling that you put in, your filling, was actually their filling. It's their tooth. And the problem was theirs. So if you, like you say, give somebody a solution that they've not taken on, they blame you. Whereas if it's their decision, Mm -hmm. they're informed, they understand why, and they come in and say, oh, you know, that tooth that we talked about, the one that you said this might happen, well, it did. It's such a mm. powerful thing. And that's 
Well, it's, yeah, it, it just goes back to Frank Taylor. Just thinking about it, we link it. So we don't tell people what price to put on a practice, as in we value it. And then they'll say, well, what should I offer? And we say, well, we've, we've put this value on. And then if the price goes yeah. above, then we never tell them what to do because exactly that. Otherwise, it's our decision to tell them the price. Whereas if they choose the price, it's yeah. their decision to That's choose that good. price. Yeah. So how long were you were you an associate and honing these skills and, and building your kind of portfolio of experience before this this this, this itch to, to either set up or buy a practice? Yeah, so I'm, I'm just trying to do the maths now. So I think it was about, an associate about seven years in the end, but I did move right. around because one of the things I did find, and again, I'd like to sort of, you know, openly mention this, I found it difficult finding a fully private practice. And at the time, you know, I had... I thought everything I needed in terms of a CV, but I just found it really hard to get opportunities in private practice, which is something I know happens a lot for lots of um, you know, my younger colleagues. Mm. Um, so I really struggled with that. But then I was lucky and fortunate enough to meet um, a guy called Martin Wanandea. Um, you may know him from Dental. Oh, yeah. And I met him on a conference. And yeah, you know yeah. when you just click with someone? And um, he gave me a chance. Mm. And he looked at my CV and said, look, you're more than qualified. He gave me a chance. I won't forgive him and Nick for this though. They put me in this tiny little box room, six months. And it was a test to see if I would stick out with it. The first day I was like, what is this? I could, I, I had a better room in my, my NHS practice, but I stuck with it. And it was, uh, it was probably the making of me because again, learning how to talk to people about like big treatment items, mm. people actually want cosmetic dentistry. Uh, so I was fortunate mm. enough. I was, I, I became one of their main associates and, and I learned, when that was, was that, from midday? 2012 right up until right. I'm going to say 2017, 2006. So that was ten wow. years ago. Do you think the situation and the opportunities have changed in those ten years um, for people? I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. I do think there is an element of your face has to fit, and you know, I know it's a bit of a controversial right. topic, but I also understand demographics. Yeah. You know, if you're not necessarily what somebody's you know perceiving their their their, their target audience to be, that might play a mm. part. I'd like to think it's changed a bit. Um, although I have heard some, you know, some instances of some people not getting some opportunities, but I'm going to mention it now because I think, you know, something that is very dear to my heart is equality, and, you know, mm. racial equality in particular. Um, I've got a very strong belief that it doesn't matter what color you are, it doesn't matter where you come from, you mm. can be as good or as bad as the next person. It really doesn't matter. You should just be a, a, a fair level playing field. And um, I think overall in dentistry, I've had a really positive experience. I've not had any sort of negative experiences, but I do think we can do more. And um, I'm actually part of a board with the Royal College of Surgeons talking about equality across the board. And it's something that, again, you know, it's interesting to understand, again, people's dynamics and thought process. Um, mm. But overall, you know, if I can mention it now, I mean, as a kid growing up, I did have a few incidences of, racism i probably had a few incidences more from patients maybe as well dentists, not right. so much in the practices there were definitely a few jobs where i would go for the interview and again i thought i performed particularly well and i didn't get it and i wouldn't put it down to race alone i wouldn't say they didn't give me the job because i'm black i would say they didn't mm. give me the job because i probably didn't fit the stereotype of what they were looking for which again you know people mm. can make their own sort of um conclusions i'm not offended by that i don't take it offensively i just see it as as maybe human nature and maybe in some circumstances i should say human nature um 
And, you know, even mm. to myself, you know, are we all victims of choosing somebody that we think fits the role better? Possibly. And yeah, so I'm not mm, particularly yeah. um, emotional about it or sad about it, but I do think that was the reality for me. Mm. And how did that, how did that affect you? Did it make you more determined to, to succeed? Was it, was Yeah, I'm going to say something really weird here. I'm sorry, this is probably going off topic of the business, but it no, is no, important no, interesting. to me. Um, I'm going to say something really weird here. So this is getting quite deep. Um, looking back at my formative years and also coming from Nigeria, which is an ex-colonial country, I did find that like the Nigerian culture is slightly subservient. I, th- I think it's going way back now. I think even mm. within Nigerians, so not race between, you know, Nigerian, let's say like even my, my relatives, my uncle, there is this respect. Respect is a big thing. So everybody is your uncle. Everybody is a yes, sir, yes, auntie. And that's the rules. You know, if I said to my cousin two years older than me, I said, hey, mate, give me a clip around the ear. Um, and that culture probably made me a little bit, I think, more reserved than I should have been. So mm-hmm. I feel right. that in my career, I probably should have pushed on a lot quicker. And I feel that it took me to mm. my mid thirties to realize that I can do, you know what I was saying earlier, I can do anything, anybody can do anything. Mm. And I wish I knew that a bit younger. So my passions is now mm. for younger dentists to be like, look, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you look like. Yeah. doesn't matter who your mum and dad are. You can do anything. And not that everyone has to do everything, but just that you can. Mm. No, but you're a great example and spokesperson for that as well, because, you know, you didn't have the easiest yeah. start, you know, coming to this country at six and the success that you've had and the challenges you that you've had. It's great for, for you know, young people, young dentists to look at you and say, well, look, actually, there is a pathway. You can be successful. Um, but also you're right to be honest about it because life isn't yeah. perfect. It isn't perfect yeah. for anybody. And, and different different sort of portions of society have a harder time than others. And mm. I think it's important that, that that's kind yeah. of acknowledged because that, that is the reality and it's not good, it's, but it's just, that's just as life is. It's also a is, non-race it? thing, isn't it? And the fact that there's so many people who just don't push. Yeah. <laughs> they just sit and believe that might be that might yeah. be their lot yeah. without sort of saying, well, oh, maybe I could yeah. push forward. So I think it's a good lesson that says, you know, well, you, you can try, you know, mm. you don't feel that it's outside of your scope yeah. of reach um, because you're the one who limits yeah. your reach. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's good that it is it is being talked about. I know that um, you took part in the, the campaign when the BLM um, was being talked about in dentistry and I think you and yeah. Yuande and I think Chinwe yeah. and some others talked about it, yeah. which is brilliant because it's a horrible to think that people aren't getting opportunities. And it's just bizarre, isn't it, to think that it's just based on skin colour. Yeah, again... Mm. It's, yeah, it's it's totally right. I think my only thing is I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't like dwelling on the past. So for me, not forget the past, it's happened. Yeah, you know, use it to inform us, but it's happened. Now mm. what I'm thinking is if I can see someone like me in a position, then I'll probably believe I can do it. And that's really my passion now mm. um, to like put myself in a position and, and others. I've got um, great friends, Kevin Dapper as well. He's doing amazing things in dentistry. Mm. And it's just like, doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter like you said um chris it's not about Mm. color alone it's just some people don't push so if it's also for Mm. you know for for um we'll come on to it later but also for female business owners you know i've got um, Mm. very few female friends and they say oh well i can't do this for this reason well actually there are some people that can and again it's not for everyone you know like a one size fits Mm. all but yeah i think it makes me feel good if i think anyone can 
do what they want to do or they can be what they want to be. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's great that you're taking your your position in the profession seriously and, and you know, showing people what can be achieved, which I think yeah. is great. Which I think that's is great. What, Lovely. That's so that's what, nice yeah, that's segue. what brought me to um, start up a squat practice because, um, you know, my... Yeah, yeah. And it, and it's and it, and it, and it's a useful background in terms of you know where you were and what was happening to you that then got you to that point that said well actually you know um, do you take control of your own destiny and your own future and really harness that yourself which then put you down the the path of creating yeah, your own practice. Yeah, so um, I, I was very fortunate. I signed up um, with yourselves and I got lots of fantastic adverts and I viewed quite a few um, properties. This was around the 2015 2016 time. And, um, yeah, but the thing is, again, I had two young kids at the time. We were living in Twickenham. We just bought a house. I think we'd just renovated the house. So I was kind of in and I was looking for something in the vicinity. And I'm sure it's the same with everyone. I found a couple of practices. I saw one in, in Chobham or Cobham, beautiful, sorry, half an hour away. I went in and the price, it was, I think it was a one or two surgery practice, really old rundown practice. I think it came in at, let's say, 280 or something. I thought, okay, cheap, affordable. But when I got there, I put a bid in and the price, I think, doubled or trebled at the time. I think it went for, because of the potential, I think there was, you know, planning permission. And anyway, it went for like treble the price. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just priced out of the market. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I realized that there were certain individuals or certain, you know, businesses that can afford more. So with mm-hmm. buying it, and this is something I'd, I'd love your opinion on, at the time, I probably should have given you a call and like been a bit more specific, but um, I just thought, okay, well, I need something in the, in exact vicinity. I want it to look as in a certain way. And then I, I probably spent about six months agonizing if I'd made the biggest mistake of my life. But I just thought, you know what, I'm going to try it. And my wife actually saw um, a building, an empty building on, on our high street, literally three minutes walk from our house. And I figured... <laughs> If I didn't do this one, somebody else would do it. And do you know what was even funnier? Mm. So when I inquired, so I went and it was Christmas Eve or the day before Christmas Eve, I looked at it, I made an offer without doing any financials, any logistics. I probably shouldn't admit this. This is probably the wrong way to do it. But then um, I did the I did the uh, due diligence afterwards, but um, I found out they had planning permission, D1 planning permission. Another dentist already looked at it. So I realized if I, if I bottled it at that point, I would walk past that building every day looking at somebody mm. else's dream. And I, Thinking yeah, that could be and me. I just thought, I'm going to do it. And um, I, I'm not going to lie, though, for um, probably about a year afterwards, I think I called you at one point, Andy, and I said, how much do you, how much can you sell a practice for if, before you open? I don't know if you remember that conversation. I think that was one of our very first conversations. Yeah, I, I think you were you were as close as to yeah. broken as you could get. <laughs> I was like, and you were kind of very diplomatic. And you said, "Well, technically, it's not a business, so there's a slight issue there." But I was, I was terrified, and it it isn't for everyone. It isn't. It's certainly not for every personality type. I had a lot of good fortune, and um, because I'd been a dentist for a long time, and this is something I would say to some young dentists as well: if you haven't got a reputation as a dentist, starting a squat practice is very difficult. Because I was lucky that mm. people that I knew for 10 years, as we were saying, you know, mm. could either recommend me if they knew people in the area or if they were not too far. Some people did travel across as well. Um, you know, so, yeah, it was this. I, I went to bed for six months at midnight or two o'clock every night, every single night, staying up, trying to do everything and, you know, juggle, basically. 
it's bloody hard work. I don't think people appreciate it. I mean, we, I suppose what we see is, don't we? We see lots of people with that like the idea of a squat. You know, I'll be great. And then as soon as you start to drill into the detail, most people just fall away because <laughs> they, they either can't be bothered, <laughs> they don't want to spend the money, they don't want to commit their, sometimes their houses yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And they just think, oh, I'll tell you what, I might as well just yeah. buy another practice. <laughs> and I think sometimes, Mido, you, know, you say about that, you kind of put the offer in, you didn't really know what was going on and, and kind of you just grabbed it from there. But we've talked before about you know, naivety mm. is, is quite a useful skill to have because if somebody had laid out to you everything that could go wrong and how mm. hard it was going to be, you probably would have stayed in that in that, in that that box working yeah. in that practice because it, mm. it, it, it would just feel so overwhelming. Whereas if you just deal with the challenges as they come, yeah, one right. by one, you knock them down and suddenly you end up with refreshed dental. That's how you eat an yeah. elephant, isn't it? Yes. Piece by piece, according to... Uh, TQM, whatever it was, yeah. total quality management. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, fortune definitely can favour the brave. You, you can't be stupid. Um, and I mean, that. Mm. if I can segue straight into it, that's what brought me into um, the Startup in Dentistry group or Startup in Dental mm. Practice group, it's called. Um, and um, I had not a great experience along the way. And I, I, I certainly won't name any of the companies involved. Some of them were brilliant. Um, one of them in particular, the person who project most of the project didn't have such a good experience with and um the issues were classic you know not keeping to time in terms of contract a project that was meant to take three months took nine months you know so you're talking about financial ruin before you started um, i got a lot of luck along mm. the way um, my dad is um my, my mentor and he's always there for me so he helped me out a lot in terms of just the thought processes um but um yeah overall I didn't have a great experience. I also didn't know where to turn. And every time I wanted some advice, um, again, some of the well-known, let's say, people in the industry were like, yep, yeah, that's fine. That'll be £2,000 and I'll give you some advice. And I was like, I haven't even bought the place yet. I haven't got any money. I haven't got anything. Um, there was mm. no one to really help. Um, and that's mm. basically what it was. Um, at the time, there was um, a well-known dentist, Grant Macquarie. Um, I reached out mm. to him on Facebook and he very kindly gave me some time, like, you know, a, a call one evening and it just made me think I could do it. Whereas other people were quite like dismissive that you can't do it. Um, it's not possible. Um, he kind of said, oh, you can. And I think you need a little bit of self-belief. Otherwise you, you shouldn't do mm. it. You really shouldn't. Yeah. I think in life, most things are doable. It's just how much you're prepared to give of yourself yeah. to achieve it. Um, and I think for for most people, they, they buy an existing dental yeah. practice because they don't have the the confidence and the conviction in themselves um, to execute their own plan. And that's not necessarily their fault because at dental school, you're, you're trained as a clinician, you're mm. a technician. You know, that you, as a business person, you need to have a whole range of skills and that doesn't sit comfortably with lots of dentists, yet they still want to own a business. Mm. So that's why they tend to go down the, the buy practice path as opposed yeah. to a squat. The, 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 you, know, you, you obviously had your own reasons as to why you set, set a squat up. But quite often for many, if you set a squat up, you get to deliver your yeah. own vision. You know, that what you want it to look like. I know when I came down and, yes. and we met at your practice, the passion you had and every little detail that you were able to tell me about why it looked the way it did and, and the logo and the colours and, and the walkway yeah. through. You know, you thought about everything and that's what you get to do if you yeah. do such a squat. Well, up. actually, my wife had thought about everything. This is, uh, 
the story of my marriage. <laughs> she, she, she's the detail person. I'm the uh, like, yeah, we can do this. But uh, we do. And again, I'll, I'll be honest. I think if you're going to do this, you probably need some a right hand person to wife. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You need yeah, a different 100%. viewpoint. I think. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you're the you know you're you think like yeah. a dentist, don't you? You need someone who looks at it yeah. and says, "Well, hang on a minute." I think we say to people when you're trying to, you know, people ask us how to improve their practice, we say get someone who you don't, you know, who you're quite happy with yeah. their judgment to actually go around and yeah. critique your practice as a as a new person because they will be darn sight more yeah. <laughs> honest than you will because yeah. you'll go, oh, yeah, no, I know that, yeah. <laughs> you need somebody who says yeah. that's terrible. <laughs> so, Mide, you set up the Startup Dental Practice Owners Facebook group, which I'm part of, and, and honestly, I, I love it. It's one of, probably one of the, the friendliest, most supportive Facebook groups out there. There's a lot of toxic mm-hmm. stuff that happens on Facebook, and that group doesn't fall into that category at all. And then, then you had the brainwave um, of creating... A live event and I know just before we started recording you were saying like how busy you are and you got so much on yet you then poured this into your pot of things to do as well so talk me through kind of the background why, why you felt a live event would be a good idea for, for what was uh, you know an yeah, online so group. obviously it's been five years in the making of the group now and it said it started with 14 of us just sharing some ideas then it sort of grew exponentially we then made it a private group because we wanted to control the numbers so I think we capped it about a thousand for a while and um, it was like you say, it's just, it's a group for dentists by dentists to share knowledge. And then we've invited certain people in from the industry that have the same ethos, which is to share knowledge and actually to empower the little guy because um, dentistry is a massive business and the dentists are actually, mm. yes, they're an important part, but they're not the biggest part of dentistry. So I feel that we need mm. to have a voice and we need to understand how to be the best that we can be. So that's how the group started. And Andy, you've been very kind to, um, impart a lot of knowledge into the group and it's again you're giving your time and you're giving up your advice but the hope is that people realize or recognize the people in the group are there for them and you know it's sort of reciprocal um and then um in the lockdown that's really when the group um grew exponentially so i think we had another 600 members or so in the lockdown and um mm. yeah then we did um, a webinar series so my poor wife yeah thought okay i've got four months with this guy at home and Andy and I were doing webinars every week. So that took up most of the lockdown, organizing those. Um, but the webinars were well attended. I think we got about 150, 200 people each webinar. And um, it was, yeah, just talking about how the journey had been. And we did different series. So both um, squat practice, buying existing, going from two, one to two practices, the building work. And then we also did um, something on CQC. So we already had a group of people that were giving advice as a collective. So then we thought, actually, after lockdown, what a be- what better way than actually to um, make connections and actually have a bit of a networking event. But we've got um, a really unique um, um, approach. We're going to do an interactive um, um, a day. So it's not the traditional lecture, I'm MIDI and this is how I did it. Did it. It's to be um, small mm-hmm. groups, table talk discussion, breaking it down so that everybody even the quietest person will have an opportunity to ask questions it's not about the loudest person in the room putting their hand up and asking (laughs) and um yeah and then at the end of that we've also got social events so we've got um, a special um, guest dj but then we've also got some very well-known dentists as well and one or two of them are going to be doing a live performance for us as well it promises to be something a bit unique in dentistry and again without sounding cheesy we want to give something back dentistry it's not just all about like 
should get him to do a cash yeah. flow. <laughs> we, 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 we've done seminars where we've done, you know, I think, what was that thing we used to do? Section yeah. 63 or something. Yeah. We did courses and I can remember once we did one and we were saying it was, it was to practice owners as well as aspiring. Mm. And we did this cash flow thing and we said, you know, we gave a really, really simple questions. It was like, pulling teeth I think would yeah. be that it was it was brilliant and then well, I, I can remember the best thing was we we did the first one and then we said who wants to buy this practice and everyone went oh yeah 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 because obviously it was looking quite healthy and then we said there's something key that you've all forgotten and everyone's looking at you know, I don't know what that is that like we said have you paid uh, yourselves what <laughs> and then 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 it yeah. didn't look quite so I healthy think, honestly I think <laughs> Chris that'd be an amazing idea like actually break down the numbers because I think yeah, just show people what, because they have no concept, the fact of, you know, I, I do a bit of dentistry, but actually I've got to pay for the materials. I've got to pay maybe my associate, I've, you know, uh, how, oh, how am I going to manage that? Do I need an overdraft? Oh, yeah. flip, I'd forgotten about an overdraft. What's an overdraft? How do I get an overdraft? I, I think it's a, it's yeah. a great one. Cause it's a, you, you can make it as complicated to make them look really stupid or, or make a really simple one, which, which just brings the point home that says, Actually, how does, you know, you must have had it when you were started, you know, like, flip, how does this money move around my business? How does it work? You just learn on the job ultimately, but you know ahead of yeah. time what you're buying, shouldn't you? Um, yeah. No, I, yeah. I think, um, Chris, I'll be tapping you up after this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sending you my notes. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'll have to find them, but I'm sure we can sell something out for you. Yeah. Simple. I just think something like that, as you say, you want an interactive one. And uh, it just creates that, mm. oh man, this is money. <laughs> but, but also I think taking a, a digital group into a live event is a smart idea because mm. I, I think the online stuff's great, but there's no doubt over the last no. couple of years, I think everyone's done with with Zoom and digital this and digital that. I think people are quite keen. So I think to take it into a physical yeah. room, um, just to connect people and build yeah, relationships definitely. is good. And if there's some knowledge that can help people either run their business better yeah, or, yeah. or learn more about a business they're about to start, it's going to be a really valuable day. Where, where, when, so where is the, it? Milan? Let me get this right. The 25th of June, I believe, which is Saturday, the 25th of June. And we've got an amazing venue. So it's the Sheraton Heathrow. Um, and they've just renovated it. So obviously they did it just for us, which is very kind of them. Yeah, of that's course, very nice, of isn't course. it? Lovely, yeah. Multi-million pound investment. <laughs> money at it, and it looks absolutely gorgeous. So um, we've also managed to um, um, hire, I think, four or five breakout rooms. So we've got, so it's going to be oh, really, brilliant. really like, as I said, interactive and small. It's not everybody in one big room. Then, as I said, in the evening, we've also got um, an evening event, which honestly, guys, is going to be epic. Um, the, the the guest DJ is organising a few um, performances, shall we say, as well. So super exciting. About Brilliant. How, how do people um, um, so um, there's a job form um, link which I can uh, share which you simply click on that and then you can make the payments directly um, from there well what we'll do is um, we'll put that in the notes because this episode is going to be released before awesome. the mm-hmm. event um, so what we'll do is we'll put in the notes the link yeah. to the job form um, so if there's anyone listening that wants to come to that event they can they can That's sign awesome. up for it um, I just wanted to mention as well I mean so it's been five years now. So I think I'm in a very good position to share, you know, looking backwards mm. now. And whilst the first year, 18 months were the toughest, the preceding years after were amazing because what happened was I was able to get, not with some, not without some challenges, but I was able to get the team in place that I wanted. 
And, um, you know, when you've got the right team, you know, your business can grow. And I've been very, very fortunate. I've made some really good connections. I've got some really good contacts now. So I'm the club dentist for a Brentford Football Club and I love football. So I get to interact with them on a, on a one-to-one level and I'm able to create mm-hmm. my own market, my own business. And then, um, you know, I've been, I'm fortunate that the practice is part of the community. So, you know, we get, you know, re- um, relationships with, you know, local businesses and local schools. So really, um, I'm a very fortunate and I'm a very grateful person for where I am at the moment. And um, yeah, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the future, but I'm, I'm just quite excited at the moment. Mm. You're, you're really creative and, and entrepreneurial. Where, where does that, that come from? Because your, your mum and dad have kind of quite traditional healthcare, healthcare professional jobs. That doesn't fit with the kind of creativity and the entrepreneurship that you've got. Where, um, do you know where I that comes from? I, I, dare I say genetic. Um, I think it actually comes from my dad's side of the family because my dad, although he's a GP, uh, sorry, he was a consultant in the hospital, he left that, went mm. retrained to be a GP. And then from there, he's actually set up his own business, his own clinics off the side of it. And my mum is the opposite. Right. She's a bit of, I'm sure she'll admit it. She's a bit of a pessimist. So she's a, massively risk averse. So um, I think it's from my dad's side of the family. And one of my uncles actually, um, um, he's um, very entrepreneurial. So his name's, um, we have to call him Chief because that's what his name is. Chief Michael um, Ojo, obviously. And he started off selling mopeds in nigeria at the time we call them okadas he sell these okadas but he started with that and now he's the um the biggest single distributor for toyota cars in west africa so you have, oh yeah. i saw you post online yeah. about that we, he was with the the, 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 yeah. the president yeah, or the prime minister or yeah. somebody wasn't he so yeah, he yeah. is i have to say i mean you know he is my inspiration in terms of business and then um, one of my greatest greatest pleasures was last year he comes to me now for all his treatments. So the Harley dentists are not so yeah. happy because he used to go to Harley Street. He's got the money, you know, he paid thousands and thousands in Harley Street, but now he only wants to see me. And I'm not going to get emotional about wow. it, but it was literally when, you know, somebody I've looked up to for years said, no, yeah, you're, brilliant. My, you're my guy now. And he calls me and whenever he flies into the country, he's like, right, I'm coming for my checkup. And, you know, it's amazing. How lovely. Brilliant. Yeah. So lovely. lovely. So on on the entrepreneurial thing, you you obviously founded um, Smilefast um, yes. with Tom, um, and that that's blowing up massively. Um, and I see that you're taking it over to the the USA yeah, later on so, this year. Yeah, um, so Tom and myself are the clinicians, but you know Smilefast would be would be nothing without um, a guy called Gary Dickinson. He's the most humble person. You won't see him anywhere on social media. He'll hate the fact that I'm calling him out on this. But he is like, he is the brains behind the organization and he's a wonderful man. And he's basically allowed us to, again, dream big. You know, he's he's been, he's one of my best mates anyway, but he's helped me realize what's possible. So we took an idea which actually was only for us because Tom and I are general dentists and we wanted to get mm. better at dentistry. So that's all it was. And we thought, well, if it's a good idea, we'll share it with our friends. And the friends thought it was a good idea. Then Tom and I being the creative ones, you know, designed the logo and the brand and then the concept. And again, I just wanted something that worked in my practice. So simplified the steps and that's all it is. And what we've done is we've got a simplified system that works for me. And I am the average dentist. Tom is different. He is a genius. He's an artist. He's one of those annoying dentists that everything's perfect. But the two of us together mean that like I can be the normal rational one and Tom can be the crazy one. 
And I think that combination gives something that actually should appeal to the majority of them. I think, I think Venn diagrams, mm. you know, you said about your, your mother yeah. and father, your, your father being quite kind of creative entrepreneur, your mum being a bit of a pessimist. Yeah, Chris and I obviously talk about our relationship yeah. as a Venn diagram. You know, we're, we're strong in different areas, but we have that overlap and it's yeah. a bit like you and Tom. I think they're kind of the best yeah, partnerships. I would agree with that. And um, yeah, I mean, again, you know, fortunately, again, with lockdown, we had a captive audience. We're able to share. So actually, in the last two years now, we've trained over four thousand dentists in the UK, uh, which is you wow. know, uh, which is amazing. And um, we then start getting people from um, Australia, Europe, and then now America saying, you know, when are we coming over? So it was a natural progression. <laughs> Again, it wasn't sort of an ego trip. We got asked to come, and um, we did a couple of online webinars in America, and then yes, yeah, so so much so that we're we're launching in July in New Jersey. But we've also New Jersey, yeah, New Jersey. You got to learn the accent. <laughs> um, then we're going to take it across. I think we've got some dates in Miami, in Dallas, and one in Las Vegas. Which, funny enough, all the lecturers want to attend. I'm, I'm not sure why. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why. Sure why. That's amazing. Absolutely. How do you how do you fit it all in? I know. You know, you keep pouring stuff, more stuff on your own plate, but you've got, you know, your practice, you've got SmileFast, you've got the Facebook group, the live event, you've got a family. It's, you know, there must be time for some sleep in there. <laughs> I, I mean, I must admit, I don't sleep enough. I'm, you know, health health is something that is the most important and I need to work on that as well. But um, I learned again from Gary, um, one thing is, if you've got to do something, do it straight away. And that's my mindset now, mm-hmm. which is like, a lot of people spend ages umming and ahhing. Now, th- this startup and dentistry group, I was sitting there one day thinking, we really need to do it. Then once I'd said it to a lot of people, it has to happen. And I think that's something I've learned in life, that if you're really going to do something, don't talk about it, just make it happen. And m- maybe think about yeah. it a little bit, but <laughs> then make it happen. Mm. I think you were thinking about it on holiday, because I got a message from you. I think you were yes, in the I Caribbean, was, yes. weren't you? I got Please this message, my wife I've got an idea. Like <laughs> you were meant to be relaxing. <laughs> yeah, that's literally when it happened. And um, order the carpet. <laughs> yeah, that's what you need to do. We have this thing about the fact we say to people, when you're doing your house, when you uh, like you've got things to do, when you once you've ordered your carpet, you know it's been laid on a Friday. Boy, do you get yeah. so much done because you know your carpet's coming. Mm. So if you order your carpet, that's what you need to do. Lay it out and work out when it's going to happen and then everything else sort of fits to, has to fit around it, really. Otherwise, you've never ordered your carpet. And it's like, ah. <laughs> It's been a fascinating chat, Midday. We could, we could talk all no, day. No, brilliant. We could talk all day. You've mentioned um, football a couple of times as a kid playing and growing up. You need to answer a question. Um, you were at the FA Cup final and you ended up in the Royal <laughs> Box. How? How did you end up in the Royal Box for the FA Cup oh, final? Honestly, um, this is big, one of the biggest shocks of my life. Um, my brother-in-law, so my wife's from Newcastle. Her, bro- her brother's actually the well-known Geordie legend Shola Amiobi. So he used to play for... Yeah. Oh, okay. And um, he's retired now, but he's got some connections. Yeah. And somebody gave him tickets. And I think he was going to bring his wife, but she said that actually that, you know, she wanted me to go, which was so kind. And, but yeah, we, I didn't realize that we were going to be in the world box, but there I am, I mean, <laughs> there I am suited and booted. And then, you know, Prince Williams is just two rows away. And it was, it was literally right. like meet your legend. So my big idol, um, Kenny yeah. Dalglish was there and um, Ian Rush was there wow. and Gianfranco Zola, Arsene Wenger. And I was sitting three rows, so I had to wow. be on best behavior. But then when we won, everybody else was sitting very prim and proper, but when we won, I couldn't resist. 
<laughs> you couldn't he's been calling it, me a hooligan, wow. but um, I couldn't resist. <laughs> what an amazing right, quite experience. Right too, quite right too. Did they send you a dress code? Can imagine if you worked yeah, up in yeah, shorts. Yeah, it, was, it was a shirt and tie. And um, Gianfranco Zola, actually, true story this, he was in the um, the foyer beforehand and didn't have a tie on. And they, they had to go and get him a tie so that he was he was allowed in. True story. Oh, wow. That was a very strict. Um, wow, yeah. Yeah, honestly, that was... Brilliant. I, other than my, obviously my, my wedding and my children's birth, that was probably one of the greatest days. Yeah. One of your highlights. Get those in, get uh, those yeah, in I'm first. Not, get those just in, in case first. my wife is. I'm not scared of my <laughs> wife, but she is an intimidating lady. <laughs> yeah. What an amazing day. Absolutely amazing. So we always wrap up in the same way. We always ask our guests the same two questions at the end. And the first one that we're, we're interested in is if you could be the fly on the wall with somebody in a certain situation, where, where would you be and who would you who would you be? Yeah, with? I thought about this and I wanted to say something really deep, meaningful and insightful. And then I was like, actually, the thing that I wanted to see most is, um, was in the um, Champions League final in 2005 where Liverpool were playing AC Milan and we were 3-0 down. <laughs> I, and at half time, because so Shola um, were best mates, so we watched it together in his house. And at half time, we were literally about to switch it off. And then we said, "Oh, we'll just watch the first five minutes of the second half." And as you probably know, Liverpool came back from three nil down in the final to win four three. Now it might not be the most, you know, in, you know the most sort of um, what's it? Um, yeah, not, not the most impressive story, but for me, it's just like yeah. the the mental fortitude to come back from that and mm. that fly in the wall moment. Because everything that I do, I, I do attribute it to sport because, you know, you work as a team, you win together, mm. you lose together. But the euphoria that they must have felt in that moment, I would have given anything oh, to yeah. see the, 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 the change from halftime to the end. It would have been, it would have been incredible. Mm. Yeah, yeah, massive turnaround. Massive yeah, turnaround. It's yeah, probably my, uh, the fly in the wall moment, I think. And then if you could meet someone, um, who would you like to meet given the again, opportunity? Again, I'm, I'm so sad. It's football related again. and But I think there's a good reason for this one. Um, I, I'd like to meet Jurgen Klopp um, again. You know, uh -huh. it, it might be that he's just lucky, but the guy's got something about him. He's a leader. He brings people. He creates a brand. He creates, he has a sense of authority about him. And I just think that like... Mm. He's either, and there's something about him that I think would be incredible. And I'd love to meet how, yeah, how he's led, you know, 30 plus blokes into this this sort of mindset that he's got now that where they believe they can do anything for him. And um, I think it's And not an easy group to manage as well. You're talking about, you know, guys from their mid-late teens to their early yeah. mid-twenties that have literally everything that kind of yeah. money can buy mm. it's not a, not an easy group to manage at all and he does yeah. it incredibly well so that would be my uh my go-to Jurgen Klopp sorry I should have said somebody like a politician or like yeah, yeah something yeah. deep and meaningful so yeah, Nelson Mandela no we've had a whole we've had a whole <laughs> we've had a whole range of people no no we've had a whole range of people from people pulling out yeah you know cartoon <laughs> characters footballers politicians yeah. there's yeah. no right or wrong answer it's just no. interesting and over time that that answer might change yeah, as well I think, but I think, yeah, that was the right. I think it does change yeah. isn't it? I think as your life experience yeah. changes you it's like oh no I think uh, I don't know Boris Johnson <laughs> no maybe not no <laughs> <laughs> well, Midi, it's been an absolute joy. It's been it's been really enjoyable. I, I wish you every success. I'm looking forward to seeing what the next 10 years plus brings because the speed you're moving at, there's going to be a lot more to come, I'm sure. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Lovely to speak to you. Chris, make sure you're free. I, I need you to do the cash flow thing for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me know. Let me know. 
<laughs> Send me an invitation. <laughs> I've been. Wait, did we go to the Sheraton? Was that the way we went to the the uh, yeah, Bollywood yeah. thing? Oh, it's, yeah, the, it's the other one. So it's, there's a second one further down. Oh, oh okay. So it hasn't got know, a big pond. No. Oh, okay. I won't bring me swings then. <laughs> well, you can, but um... <laughs> put it up a little bit silly. <laughs> Excellent midday. Right, we'll catch up soon. Look after yourself. Cheers, man. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dentology, where we discuss the business of dentistry. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing. And also follow us on Instagram.